the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it is, um, well, a lot, a lot happening and a lot of happening and a lot to cover. Uh, and uh, I will get to some of it. I hope that you go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Make sure you are signed up there to follow along uh, and get our emails. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there. Okay, um, very interesting time, obviously, uh, waiting and watching on a war, uh, which is scary, always something we're worried about and uh, paying attention to. Election Day in uh, a lot of places, including where I live, the Commonwealth of Virginia, up in New Jersey, a lot of local jurisdictions have elections. Kentucky has a big race. Uh, our, our friend uh, Scott Pressler is out in Kentucky registering voters and getting people paying attention. He's a super talented guy. It's uh, I've been known him for years now. It's fun to watch him uh, do his thing and, and make his difference. So, um, well, so here's what you need to know today. Um, and I, what I, I want to do this with sort of two, two prongs in, in this uh, wink, what you need to know. The first one is, the lawfare that's going on against Donald Trump in New York, in a New York courtroom. And there's a, a number of aspects of it that are troubling. None. One of them that's most troubling is that the attorney general, uh, who is the lead prosecutor, it's her case. Um, she is actively uh, tweeting and responding uh, publicly with videos and other political stuff. Um, and, and sort of, I don't, I don't know how to say this except to say taking the bait from Trump. Uh, Trump is obviously attacking her and saying it's political and she's just doing it. She's just being political. She's attacking the Trump family, his kids, President Trump's kids. She uh, during the, the testimony, I think it was on Monday uh, in a break in the testimony where Donald Trump was on the stand. Uh, the attorney general, Letitia James, responded to something he, he said in his testimony by tweeting a response. I mean, it's bizarre. It's so below the quality and the caliber of what should be happening in America and in our legal system. It's unbelievable. It's it's wild to watch. But also, if you listen to the the um, uh, listen to some of the testimony, they're basically saying Donald Trump, ridiculously wealthy real estate and developer. um, What did you do here? And he basically says we had accountants. And we had lawyers and we had a, a non-disclaimer on every document, on the front page of every document saying, check it out for yourself. So whatever else anyone was saying in the document, it's kind of like buyer beware. This is not a legal case. 
this is really just a hit job, a legal hit job. And I have to say, as I tell you all the time, it kind of works. Most people don't have the time and I didn't either. I don't I still don't to look closely at what is actually being said. So all you hear is Donald Trump's on the stand defending his honesty. And you don't realize until you look closer, it's total nonsense. It shouldn't be being charged. I mean, it should. It's and it's a civil matter. It's not a criminal matter. There's not perjury at stake. There's not. Uh, it's like a civil, a licensing argument. I mean, it's it's wild. It's wild that it's happening. And my point here is over uh, all the way over in California. Uh, uh, Dean Eastman, Professor Eastman, is being uh, his bar license is being challenged. And one thing after another. And why? Because of political disagreements. I've said it before over and over again. The crown jewel of America is our Constitution and the rule of law, along with our founding values. And those things go together because our founding values are moral people, generally a Christian people. But Judeo-Christian values is how you describe the beginning of America and all for a couple hundred years. And so you, you, you accepted as people who believed in honesty and believed in uh, a certain values and virtues that you were bound by the law and the constitution and you would abide by it. And now we're watching the crown jewel of America, the constitution rule of law and our founding values attacked mercilessly. And most people aren't objecting They're They're being brainwashed by big tech, big media and big government to believe the narrative. That's the narrative machine. The narrative machine actually sounds sort of benign. I should have called it the brainwashing machine, the brainwasher. The brainwashers made up of three things, big government work and the big tech and big media. That's probably better. I have to shift that. Don't call it the narrative machine. That sounds civilized. It sounds like something on the, on, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ro- uh, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, Mr. Robinson's Mr. Rogers neighborhood. You know, all oh, the narrative machine is a train that goes by or whatever. So let's go to the brainwasher, the brainwasher. It's like a dishwasher, but a brainwasher. So it, 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 this lawfare thing is out of control. Which brings me to this. Over the weekend in Washington, D.C., there was a protest of hundreds of thousands of people, it looks like. I don't know. I wasn't there. And the hundreds of thousands of people were protesting with signs that said, you know, death to Israel. Signs, some of which, at least the pictures are on the Internet. I don't know. You can distrust and verify. Distrust, then verify is my motto. But there were images showing swastikas, you know, anti-Israel, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, not just pro-Hamas, let's be fair, rally and signs and everything, okay? Now, I'm for free assembly. I'm for people protesting, especially in our capital city, peacefully. If you vandalize, you got a problem. Well, they vandalized. They pushed their way. They tried to scale the fence at the White House. They defaced the White House lawns and all. They sort of rioted. I don't know if anyone was uh, hurt by cops because you didn't get any coverage of it. You didn't get any coverage of of people, anti-Semitic people saying death to Israel, down with Jews and swastikas. You didn't get any coverage of that. You got breathless coverage for years of, of a lie in Charlottesville. I mean, there wasn't a lie that there were some idiots there, some nasty people. The lie that was covered was that Donald Trump said that they were good people. He never said that. But this weekend in Washington, D.C., this past weekend, there was violence. There was out of control rioting and there was no coverage. And more importantly, there were no arrests. 
So when the regime wants to make it so, January 6th, they make it into an absolute abomination that has to be, you know, uh, c- controlled and dominated and taken uh, aback from the, the insurrection, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff happens, except when it is done in favor of. But what's odd about this, it's not even in favor of the policies. The White House actually, I think, doesn't support the anti-Israeli message, but they're so beholden. I, I, I actually, it's, it's confusing. Be honest, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to justify it. I don't know how to justify. I know how to justify BLM. BLM was corrupt, completely corrupt, obviously. Antifa completely corrupt. They were doing the bidding of the Democrat Party. They were doing the bidding of the left. So that's clear. That there's no doubt about that. I don't know what to say about the people that are anti-Israeli, anti-Jew, anti-Semitic, and the fact that they're able to riot in Washington, D.C., deface the White House, try to storm the the White House, and then no one gets arrested. So that they're somehow they're protected by the regime. I don't know why the regime would protect them. It would, say, it would feel like if you could crack down on them, you could maybe make a point. And I, but I, as I say that, I'm being a little tongue in cheek. I'm being, I myself am being disingenuous because the reason why they can't stand up to them is because the Democrat Party counts on the fact that the people who are left that hate Jews and hate Israel will end up voting for them. So they can't really antagonize them. They have to be sort of careful about how much they antagonize them. That's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. That's what I'm seeing. But think about the rest of the country. In the rest of the country, if you're looking up, if you're paying attention, if you can cut through the fact that the brainwasher, the brainwasher, which is big tech, big media, and big government, the brainwasher's not covering it, so you can't see it. But if you did, you'd look up and say, what's going on here? What's going on here? As the news broke on Monday, that finally, after months, we see the Nashville shooters manifesto and you know what it was anti-white hate bigotry anti-white hate and bigotry by that trans guy or gal however you say it a man who's trans says he's trans and killed all those people so who did that the brainwashers the brainwashers did that you're damn right they did the brainwashers are happy to make people hate As long as it's directionally right, you can hate the Jews, see in front of the White House this weekend. You can hate the whites, see the Nashville shooter. You can hate the American people, the Trumpsters, see January 6th. As long as you're the right target, you're allowed to hate and you won't get condemned. The Nashville manifesto had to be leaked, basically stolen, not not stolen, leaked. It's been how long? The other guys, as soon as the other guys, if there's some white male Instead of a trans African American, is it a trans African American? I don't know if it's. I don't even know if the Nashville shooter was what race. The brainwashers are tearing the country apart. The brainwashers need to be arrested. Big tech, big media, and big government for what they're doing to we the people. All right, I got to take a break. I'll come back. We got a lot more. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, very grateful. I have a friend and, and many of our folks know um, that there are great people who are the networkers for guests on the radio program. And there's a man named Dean Drasnan who is really good at his job. And he has lots of great uh, clients, people that write books and and give talks. And um, he will email me only when he sees something he thinks I could really um, we could benefit talking about. And he sent me an email and he said, you need to speak with this man, Pierre. Rehov. He's a French-Israeli reporter, but also a documentary filmmaker. And for over a quarter of a century, he's been um, actively talking about the people and the situation that ends up with this terrorism, this pathology. And he wrote, he did a documentary called Suicide Killers about these, the psychopathology of suicide terrorists uh, was released in, I think, 2005 or so. Um, he lives only 10 miles away from Gaza in Israel. And he joins us now. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me with you. And I'm sorry that the people who listen to your show have, are going to have to suffer my French accent for 10 minutes. Well, that's OK. I think they 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 suffer my uh, my sometimes uh, my accent and more. I talk too fast, they say. So um, <laughs> so so first, obviously, um, we in America, we do a lot of praying right now for the people there. And I think even though we went through 9-11, it's very difficult to understand how. And this is one thing I want to ask you, how the people in Israel live with constant and have for the whole existence constant fear of what happened happening. And it doesn't happen. This was horrendous and bigger than anything ever in the world, I think. But the the individual aspects of this kind of terror happen all the time. It's a very difficult way to live. Well, yes and no. I would like to remind you of what Israel is made of. Uh, most of the people in Israel are the descendants of survivors of the of the Holocaust. Mm, Some right. of them are the survivors and the descendants of the pogroms in Russia at the end of the 19th century. Right. Some people like myself have been expelled from a Muslim country when they were young, or they are the descendants of people who have been expelled from a Muslim country. Everybody is always talking about, about the Palestinian refugees, which is a scam because there is no Palestinian refugee around the world anymore, unless you consider that the descendants of the descendants of the descendants of refugees who have been taken care of by uh, a special organization of the United Nations should be still considered as the refugees. I don't know if you ever had really seen a refugee camp, but if you go in Jenin, where there is a big refugee camp, so-called refugee camp, or even in Gaza or other places, they look like uh, elegant uh, suburbs. There is nothing connected to a refugee camp over there. People are driving the latest uh, brand of, of car, and they call themselves refugees for one reason. UNRWA, which depends on the United Nations, spends more than a billion dollars on them every year. Most of the money is provided by your taxes, and uh, they just don't want uh, to declare that any one of them is no longer a refugee because they wouldn't get the money anymore. So anyhow, the, uh, I'm sorry to go away a little bit from your question, but the situation here is so complicated that you cannot give a simple answer to a simple question. And the life in Israel is actually pretty good. I moved from Paris because I couldn't take the life in Paris anymore. Mm -hmm. And I moved from New York because of a lot of reasons, one of them being the weather. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I moved to Tel Aviv at first and uh, like 12 years ago. And from Tel Aviv, I moved uh, uh, down south, much closer to the Gaza border, because in Tel Aviv, it's a little bit like Manhattan. And where I live now, it's a little bit like Los Angeles, beautiful Mm -hmm. villa 
up everywhere, close to the beach. So the life is really beautiful over here, except that since October 7, and it happened also in May, and it happened also two years ago, and it happened also in 2014, and in 2009, and many other times, we are attacked by rockets which are fired at a civilian population, but every Israeli is aware of it, and we all have what we call a miklat in Hebrew, which is a, a shelter in the house or sh- public shelters in the streets or a shelter in the on each floor of every building. So people rush to the shelter when the sirens uh, are when the sirens start, uh, you know, of informing us, if informing us of the arrival of a rocket in our direction, and we we just do that. The rest of the time, life is okay. In my my case, I have a baby who is one year old, and uh, you know we we had a lot of sirens, a lot of bombings, and a lot of explosions. Uh, an average of three, four days since uh, October seven, and uh, we have each time to rush to the shelter with her in case the rocket would actually hit our house. Right, and we have to play games with her and to dance and to sing and to pretend it's a game so she would not be traumatized. So you have yeah. this completely hubris situation where we are dancing and singing and on the top of the in the sky you have explosions and the sirens like in the walls when we are in the war zone but the baby yeah. thinks it's a game she thinks it's a game yeah um uh, uh, pierre rehov is our guest uh, and and uh, time flies so fast and and he is again he's a uh, a reporter a writer documentary filmmaker i i want to hone in on one aspect of what you've what you've seen you you have interviewed and you've studied you've interviewed hamas islamic jihad members, Al-Qaeda terrorists. You've been embedded with the U.S. military during that period of time. So this is a very specific question, which I don't I don't think there's an answer yet. I saw this on X and I, and I don't think I have seen the answer. Has there been a single prominent Islamic leader, uh, whether a head of state, head of a major mosque, who has condemned the Hamas terrorism as not Muslim? In other words, separating the terrorism, the horrendous killing of you know thousands and maiming of thousands from their religion. And if there hasn't been, how can anyone, you know, America, we're conditioned to say, well, everyone, you know, generally a Judeo-Christian country, so, but everyone, you know, made the image of likeness of God and we, we respect people's pluralism and all. But as, is there, is there anyone, Pierre, who has condemned the acts as non-Muslim, therefore should be rejected? Well, uh, a few, very few imams here and there, and a few uh, intellectuals here, here and there, especially French-speaking intellectuals coming okay. from Algeria or Morocco. Yeah, some of them, even one famous Moroccan writer said, uh, on October 7, the Palestinian cause was dead. Huh. They killed the Palestinian cause. So it's, uh, yeah, there is a, a few voices, and uh, it gives us some hope. I have a very good friend of mine, Handa, who actually was raped by Tariq Ramadan and, and Sue Tariq Ramadan. Ramadan was a, a Muslim leader, an Islamic leader in France, intellectual, so-called leader. He's a grand, grandson of uh, of uh, the, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood. And uh, Tariq Ramadan has spent a lot of time in jail, thanks to her and other women who accused him of being uh, of being uh, of having raping them. And uh, she was a Salafist. She was married to a Salafist, and she had to wear a burqa, which is a complete veil, you know, covering right. the whole body of the woman with only the eyes. And she was like this for 17 years until she ran away with her two kids and uh, went to Tariq Ramadan to ask him for advice, and he raped her. So she understood what uh, radical Islam was about. And uh, today she wrote on the Twitter, I was born a Muslim, but today I'm a Jew. 
That's mm. how some good people react. Yeah. So, yeah. But you, you know, the, the the thing is, people wake up and think this is a, 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 this is atrocious. It never happened before. How could it be? No, I'm sorry to say, but in the Muslim world, it happens so many times. In 1907 in Ujda, in uh, 1929 in Hebron, in 1941 in Iraq called the Fakhoud. It happens so many times that not only would they... You, you're talking about terrorists, and you say terrorists. Yeah, terrorists kill. Terrorists destroy the World Trade Center. They kill. But those people, they didn't kill. They killed, they raped, they massacred, they right. burned alive babies, they burned alive for children that they tied together, they killed everything they saw, they massacred, they tortured people, they raped women, they kidnapped kids. This is beyond terrorism. This is beyond Nazism. There is no word to describe what happened on October 7. And when kids, the next day, in American universities, because of yeah. the sleeping cells, the sleeping cells organized by Iran for many years organized by the Muslim Brotherhood for many years. They woke up on, on October 8 to have hundreds of thousands of despicable kids running down the streets with the Palestinian flag after yeah. a pogrom, after, yeah. uh, after a holocaust. Yeah. It was a bad, that was Yeah, no, it's an abomination. America, Americans, I, I, I mean, we're, that, that, as you point out, it's um, worse than, it's worse than misguided. It's truly evil. And, and, and as you point out, it's not a fruit of a single day it's uh, took years and and um, americans not paying attention um unfortunately uh pierre rehov i'm out of time i time flies so fast um i want to say thank you to you i'll have you back on again because it's a, a powerful perspective i might have got us digressed a little bit uh into other subjects and and uh just know we're praying for uh safety for the people and that um that these uh the terrorists that we can work together to stop this uh in the future um uh, everywhere not not just uh where you are but everywhere in the world as you point out um so thank you we have to take a break everybody and come right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report we'll be back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, a great uh, honor, an old friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly, someone she was very friendly with and close to over the years, Dr. Jerome Corsi. He's a friend of mine, too, now for some years. Um, he's going to join. He's joining us now. He's got a new book, The Truth About Neo-Marxism, Cultural Maoism and Anarchy. And it's a volume two of his what's called a Great Awakening Trilogy, which for you, those of you, uh, as uh, Russ used to say in Loma Linda, well, that, a trilogy means there's one more volume. There was a volume. Volume two, volume one was the truth about energy, global warming and climate change. And uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi has uh, 30 books, more than 30 books, I think. Six New York Times bestsellers. Uh, he was an, a senior editor and a writer, hundreds and hundreds of articles over at WorldNet Daily uh, for many years. Uh, also a professor at various times in his life, a businessman uh, and has really early on. He was someone who was uh, explaining in detail what was going on with the new world order and so welcome back dr corsi how are you sir great to be back with you ed and i'm a friend of the eagles as well yeah that's that's right you're great you're great to us and been at many of our events um all right the truth about neo-marxism cultural maoism and anarchy where to start i have this book in front of me i'm about halfway through i and my listeners know i bounce around when you say to someone that these are marxists they don't really know what you mean. How do you say what you're seeing, you know, is insanity? And that's what Marxists want. 
Well, the the whole purpose of this book is to explain how this woke insanity came about. Mm-hmm. And it is Marxist in or, origin, but it goes through several evolutions. The the key point is that of this book is that that woke live in a different world than we live in. They they share among themselves a unique understanding, in fact, a fairly bizarre understanding of reality. And it mm-hmm. it takes we have to understand where they live in order to understand how bizarre it is and how to defeat it. That's the purpose of this book. Mm-hmm. So the neo-Marxism is really the understanding that the original Marx theory failed. It was not a rise of the workers. Right. right. So they it, it began to evolve with the people like Antonio Gramsci, who was an Italian uh, Marxist uh, between the two world wars, and he wrote notebooks, and he said we need to attack the culture. Hmm. Of, of capitalism, hmm. which began the shift of Marxism to attack instead of uh, the labor conflict or class conflict to attack God, to attack the family, hmm. to undermine the values that are underpin capitalism, to attack Christianity, the Judeo-Christian tradition. And they've been very effective at it because uh, with the cultural Maoism, as you saw in the Cultural Revolution in China, with the little red books and the red guard running around, they actually believe that they can postulate their own reality. In other words, they believe that everything, postmodernism, everything is subjective. All of our experience of reality is subjective. There are no permanent values. Mm -hmm. There's no objective reality or objective values. There's no God. So therefore, they say that capitalism is just a construct. It's a narrative. It's a word game. It's a set of ideas that we live in, but they're not unique or individual or necessary. So the whole purpose of this kind of coming out of postmodernism, a whole set of thinkers, and I discuss all this in the book with the Baudrillard and all these French intellectuals who say that reality doesn't exist except that we create it. So they imagine the utopian values, imagine a world without boundaries. John Lennon, mm-hmm. you know, his imagine song, imagine yeah. a world without God, imagine that we were all in harmony. Okay, well, I'd like to say imagine a world without John Lennon would be better. (laughs) These people postulate values that are negative and destructive. Uh, They... yeah, let me let me add that Dr. Jerome Corsi, and I want to remind our listeners, it's, this is from Post Hill Press, our friends over at Post Hill Press. You get this book anywhere books are sold. The truth about neo-Marxism, cultural Maoism and anarchy. And I missed the I didn't say the under the uh, subtitle of this exposing woke insanity. You're talking about that in an age of disinformation. Dr. Jerome Corsi is our guest. He's the author. Um, this is the second of a trilogy that he's writing on this uh, broadly on what's happening. But Dr. Corsi, this is the one that this is the question that that drives me wild. How in this age of disinformation? I mean, you came up when being a professor at I think you were at were you at Fordham? Were you at Fordham University? When, when, no, I, I mean, I, I, last university was University of Colorado. I, okay, I University. University of Colorado, but, but, you know, real schools with real education of people. And now we're in an era where the universities have gone bonkers. But but more importantly, you can't get information. Honestly, we, we now know that, you know, I, I often say to people, forget about trust and then verify or trust, but verify it's distrust. That, I mean, yeah, mine is distrust, then verify. You can't trust anybody. And how do we uh, fight this neo-Marxism when the disinformation is dominant? I mean, it's dominant against us. Well, that's where I, these books are all start out the truth. And the truth is essential to point out that these people are living in a reality that is almost schizophrenic. In other words, what they're saying is that since there's no objective reality, 
they can decide that their gender is different than their sex Hmm. and their gender is what they say it is. And so therefore you have to accept that gender because that's their postulation of who they are. And since there's no objective right or wrong, there's no objective fact, they have a right to create the reality that is their perfection and we all have to live by it. Now, this is insanity. It's really a form of schizophrenia. And I go back to the truth. The truth is biblical, which is you've got to judge what the tree is doing by the fruit of the tree. And what these people produce is they produce race conflict. You know, races, they want to demonize the white race. They produce gender conflict. What they're doing is elevating transgenderism and this LGBT confusion. They want to blur the lines of border so that we are all citizens of the world and we have to all be entitled to all of these rights of health care and independent living, guaranteed income. All these ideas are lofty in the sense of you want to individualize and and every individual can be whomever they want to be, but they don't work. It's like the global warming ideas don't work. They're finding that the wind farms are extremely expensive. The electric vehicles cost more and use more hydrocarbon fuels to generate the batteries and the the electricity. The ideas don't work and they weren't meant to work because the entire point of this book is to understand that all Marxism can do is destroy. All it can do is negate. And the whole purpose of this, and it begins going back into the 20s, when the Marxists, including in the United States, said that race is the issue that will divide. We've got to get rid of God. We've got to get rid of the family. They've done a very good job of it. And then you get the Frankfurt School, people like Herbert Marcuse, who in the 1960s was writing books like Eros and Civilization. And he was saying uninhibited sex is what will liberate people. So the sex, drugs, rock and roll culture was designed to destroy traditional society. And the Marxist aims of this, and it's important, this book, this is an extensive book. It's 400 pages. It's got over 1,400 footnotes in it. And you've got to understand how this has evolved in the in the political philosophy, the phenomenology, the experience of the world, because you're dealing with people when they say there's a scientific consensus about global warming. They don't mean all scientists agree. They mean all scientists who see the Marxist perfection understand why it's wrong to use hydrocarbon fuels. Hmm. That's the consensus they're talking about. The consensus of those who are illuminated and those who see the higher society they're trying to create, which is impossible and will never occur. Uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi is our guest and uh, his new book, uh, The Truth About Neo-Marxism, Post Hill Press. Um, you, you know, just about a minute left uh, in our interview, uh, Dr. Corsi. Uh, generally, over the many years I've known you, like Phyllis Schlafly, you're kind of a happy warrior. Are you optimistic at this moment in American history that enough enough people get the problem, the seriousness? I know you're writing the book, and the, and, the, and the next one is the third part of this trilogy. Are, you know, are you optimistic that we can get get a grip? It's the called the Great Awakening trilogy, and I think people are going to see the insanity of this. And we get an economic collapse, we get wars, we get the unlimited invasion across the border. This is a world people don't want to live in. And I think the solution is really Second Chronicles 7.14, that we've got to get on our knees and, and ask God to forgive us for taking God out of the schools, out of our hearts, for the abortion, chopping up babies in the womb. These are against God's law. God will hear our prayer and heal our land. More people today, I think, are coming back to God and are rejecting this insanity. And I'm writing this book to explain these are negative ideas. Mm-hmm. We want to put us on the throne of God 
that we can create perfection here. We can right. be transhuman. It's not achievable. It is yeah. a insane idea that stems from yeah. Marx. Marx was not an atheist. He knew God. He hated God. He wanted to be in control, and he wanted Satan to make it work because God had it broken. These are bizarre ideas, and they are yeah. destructive. All right, Dr. Jerome Corsi, unfortunately, I'm out of time. Dr. Jerome Corsi, extraordinary writer over these uh, many decades. And this one, I'm I'm glad there's another one coming. And I'll put it up on social media. Uh, The Truth About Neo-Marxism, Cultural Maoism, and Anarchy from Post Hill Press. Dr. Jerome R. Corsi. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. We are seeing a horrific double whammy in two key government reports. Both unemployment and immigration have sharply increased, and that's a terrible, terrible combination. Billionaire globalists are just fine with this news, as reflected in an Axios story claiming that immigrants are coming to the rescue of desperate employers. The job market is sputtering at a time when illegal border crossings are surging, and President Joe Biden is allowing a new wave of foreign workers into our country. More than one million American-born workers were laid off or left their jobs in August, in the sharpest drop since covid Meanwhile, many jobs were snatched up by migrants given permission to work here by the Biden administration. Only a few years ago, President Trump delivered on his pledge to reduce the taking of American jobs by foreign workers as immigration into the United States declined throughout his presidency. After President Obama had allowed a record 1.24 million in net lawful migration to the United States in 2016, Donald Trump got that number down to 376,000 by 2021. Yet under President Biden, net migration shot back up to just over 1 million in 2022. Roughly half of those had official permission to work as Biden increased by 335,000 annually the number of permanent green cards and temporary work visas that allow foreigners to grab American jobs. Other migrants into the U.S. include foreign students who attend our universities, like the graduate student from China who was recently charged with murdering his professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Asylum seekers and refugees are also part of this new wave, and on top of that are the millions and millions of illegal migrants. Almost invariably, these migrants will either be taking American jobs or else soaking up dollars from our social services programs. In either case, Americans lose. If we're going to address the ongoing problem of unemployment, we must address the immigration crisis. We cannot take in a million foreigners per year and expect our economy to simply absorb that many workers. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Hey, welcome back here to the Pro America Report. This is Ryan Height, going to wrap up the show for Ed Martin again here, and uh, happy to be stepping into the booth, filling in. But uh, thank you for letting me join you today. I really appreciate it. We had a couple of great interviews there, man. John Schlafly and Chadwick Moore, um, always good. I, I, I like these guests so much. Uh, John and Andy's column always just gets into the weeds on stuff in a good way, man. They get down to it and uh, don't just hit the headlines and talking points, but they get into an issue and give you some good insight and understanding. Uh, Chadwick Moore, too, really gets into stuff. I really appreciate those two. Uh, so I hope that you enjoyed those interviews. Uh, and then, of course, uh, at the beginning of the show, we talked about what you need to know. The insurrection hoax that is happening uh, coast to coast. That really kind of brings me down to a final point that I wanted to make here, uh, wrapping up the show today. And I'll, I'll leave it as this. Uh, and this is even, maybe you could call this a what you need to do, a call to action. Uh, but uh, here's what it is. is What you need to do is become a leader. Become a reader. You heard me. It's <laughs> sounds kind of cutesy, but it's true. And I know that Ed talks about this as well. He's spoken of this several times. This reminds us greatly of our uh, dear uh, old boss, Phyllis Schlafly, uh, who passed away in 2016, that leaders are readers. become You need to become a leader. I need to become a leader. You and I both need to become leaders. We need to be readers. It is time for Americans to get into it again, to... Become readers, become educated on what's happening, become educated on what has happened, uh, read and understand uh, history, read and understand our recent history, read and understand the principles and the philosophies uh, that this nation was built upon, the principles and philosophies that we guide our lives by. Uh, boy, I tell you what, as uh, the younger generations are coming up with such nonsense, out of our uh, broken education system. I think that we are desperately in need of those of us in America who are understanding of what's going on to become well-versed uh, and become understanding of so many of these different issues, just just a little bit. You don't have to become an expert on all of the different things, uh, but to understand a little bit of each of these different issues, to be able to speak intelligently about a well-rounded variety of things, uh, I think it is time. We are there. Uh, we are at that point in society when we need people to know things again, because that's a reality, is the the reason that, that uh, the left can pull off some of these hoaxes, like this insurrection hoax uh, that they're doing right now, and the masses go along with it, is because people are either uneducated, don't know what this is, don't understand what's happening, the ramifications and impl implications of it, uh, or they're just completely distracted and don't care. They are uh, awash in the glow of apathy or ignorance. And I tell you what, uh, apathy only goes so far before you get awoken. And realize, oh my gosh, I have to care. This matters uh, when it comes to affect you. Uh, but ignorance, man, we can fix that right now. Uh, if if there is stuff that is just uh, beyond you and me, then let's fix it. Let's uh, encourage our friends and our family and our coworkers to uh, fix that. Get more involved. Become more uh, well-rounded. Become more educated on the issues. Understand a little bit more. Uh, whether it has to do with all of the stuff that's going on with the Trump legal cases, uh, and and you know, dive into it. What does that actually mean? What does the Fourteenth Amendment say? Let me go ahead and read that. These things aren't out of reach for you and me, the average citizen uh, here in the United States of America. We can go and read the Constitution. We're not peasants in North Korea, uh, or you know. 
uh, peasants in China or some other, you know, third world country or communist regime. Uh, let's go. Go and grab the documents. Go and grab uh, the books that contain the notes of the people who founded uh, this nation, who wrote those documents. Let's see what it is that they were thinking and meant. And I think that it's relevant. It matters. It's worth our time. And I, I guarantee you something. Uh, if we do that, I think that there is a motivation that will come with it, an understanding and a motivation that come hand in hand to say, wait a minute, I, I know what's going on. I know what this means and I know what it doesn't mean. And I feel like I need to do something about this. And I feel like I need to get more people to understand and do something about this. I think it's time for us to become uh, readers again, for us to become well-educated and well-rounded and understood again, uh, just average everyday people, even if this isn't our expertise or our uh, specific chosen vocation or calling or uh, any of those things. If this isn't even our daily work, it's time for us to become understanding of a wide range of issues uh, and, and really kind of like just like Phyllis Lafley was. Uh, she had a command on such a wide range of issues. She was just she was interested in them and she understood that as an American, this was a great privilege and responsibility to have a say so across all of these different issues. Uh, man. Why would we take that for granted? Why would we uh, let that go now when our country is in such a moment of dire need uh, for people to stand up, for people to take back and assume the power that they have uh, to be we the people, to send um, representatives who are well willing to represent the will of the people? Uh, we must be well-educated and well-understanding and motivated uh, to send the right people and motivated to keep them on track. So would you join with me in that? Let, let's let's renew our effort as we come into the winter months here. Uh, and we're not doing as much outside stuff. Let's, let's become readers again. Let's become understanding of all of these different issues and uh, all of the different things that are happening in the world so that we can again become an educated populace that holds our uh, representatives and holds our republic accountable. Because, uh, my goodness, we could use accountability in Washington, D.C. and across the country, obviously. <laughs> Apparently, Colorado and Georgia particularly, we could really use some accountability there. So, uh, would you join with me? We need to become leaders again. We need to become readers again. I think those two things go hand in hand. Uh, and that is how we are going to beat this insurrection hoax. That is how we are going to beat uh, the left. That is how we are going to beat the people who want us to become subservient to the government. Uh, not we the people who tell the government what to do, uh, as we ought to here in America. So I hope that you will do that with me. I hope that you will. And I am grateful for you. Thank you for being a great listener and supporter of this show, the Pro-America Report. Thank you to uh, my co-producer, uh, Mason, as we keep uh, things going here all the time. Thank you to Ed for being such a wonderful host. Again, thank you to you for listening. Without you, uh, this doesn't happen. There's no point. And we are grateful for it. Uh, so we hope that you have a wonderful weekend. This is a good Friday, and uh, we will have a wonderful time getting some rest and rejuvenation. We'll see you back here next week on the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.